Namaste, my friends. Welcome back. Or if you're new here, welcome to the podcast. The Harmony Inspired Health Podcast brings you raw and real conversations from leaders in the industry about all things health, wellness, Ayurveda, and life. My name is Harmony, and I am your podcast host. I am an Ayurveda and integrative health practitioner who specializes in women's hormonal health, a registered nurse, and a business mentor. I'm on a mission to inspire, educate, and empower women to take charge of their health, wealth, and life. Don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And if you listen on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating so the wisdom shared in these episodes can be spread far and near. Thank you so much from my soul to yours. Before we jump into this soulful episode, I want to remind you that this episode is sponsored by my accredited program, Ayurveda Alchemist. This program certifies you as an Ayurveda holistic health coach. Ayurveda Alchemist is for women who are ready to embark on an epic personal development journey, immersing themselves in the wisdom of Ayurveda, learning how to optimize their health and well-being by addressing all aspects of self, including their physical body, mental and emotional health and spirituality, whilst wholeheartedly stepping into their dharma, their purpose. This program is also for women who would love to get started with a fulfilling career in Ayurveda and for already established health, wellness and life coaches who want to create greater impact by offering a holistic framework that gets their clients exceptional and holistic results. This certification is what you need to step into the high-level practitioner that you were born to be and stand out from the coaching crowd. You will experience undeniable growth personally and professionally. You will be mentored by highly qualified facilitators, guest experts, and practitioners. Spots are strictly limited. If you are ready to up-level your life and help transform the lives of others by becoming an Ayurveda alchemist, head over to www.harmonyinspiredhealth.com.au and apply today. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello, all of the beautiful women in the Ayurveda and women's health sisterhood. And a special hello to all of our podcast listeners as well. As you can tell, my voice is a little bit croaky today. My kids have passed on their germs so kindly of them. So please forgive me if I start coughing and spidering while, <laughs> while doing this podcast. Um, but I really wanted to bring you guys this topic today because it is such a, I want to say fascinating topic, but it's, it's, it is because there's so many layers and levels to it, but it's so important. And what we're going to be talking about is how to transcend your fear around money. And we're specifically, specifically looking at women's mindset around money. So I'm so excited to introduce you to our guest expert speaker today, and that is the beautiful Myra Shioko. She is a university professor turned entrepreneur. She empowers people to create a life aligned with their purpose and joy. Myra is an award-winning educator, 
Her books, From Russia to Joy and My Money Book for Joyful and Creative Living, question the mainstream paradigm around self-sacrifice and self-neglect in order to achieve goals. Myra has a unique education that combines mainstream sciences and alternative healing. And I love that because that's exactly what I do in the health and wellness space. So already feel very connected to Myra and her message. So I cannot wait to bring this to you. She is actually calling in. I, when I asked, where are you calling in from? She's like, Surface Paradise on the Gold Coast. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's where I'm from. But she actually lives in Boston with her partner and her son. So she's here on holidays, such a small little connected world. I'm like, I'm 20 minutes away from you. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast and to the Facebook group, Mara. Thank you so much, Harmony. I'm really excited to be here. Um, just a small thing. I pronounce my name Maria. It's oh, it's uh, Maria. <laughs> it's always so confusing to people um, it, because of the spelling. But thank you so much for the introduction. <laughs> Sorry, I I even checked that with you before we started. Oh my gosh! No and worries. Then, <laughs> and then I was like reading your name. I was like, oh, let's blame it on the uh, brain fog from my head cold. <laughs> It's completely forgivable. <laughs> thank you. But thank you so much for correcting me as well, because there's nothing worse than going through a whole um, episode or even when you're out in a social uh, social community and you're calling someone the wrong name and they never correct you. And then you realize later and you feel so awkward and bad about it. So I, I really appreciate that. And it's, and it's also, I think, so important um, just, you know, with this message of being able to articulate and verbalize who you are, what you want and stepping into your power. So thank you very much. <laughs> Maybe the universe conspired for us to play it out, you know, yeah. <laughs> play it out life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. I love that. I get called all different things. I don't know why, but because my name's Harmony, I always get called Melody. I'm like, totally different name, but that's cool. Melody, I'll go with that my whole life. Hey, Melody. Nope. It's Harmony. Yep. So, yeah. All righty. So to start the episode, I always um, start off with my rapid inspiration question. So my first one to you is, can you please inspire us with what your superpower is? Oh my God. I love this. I think my super the power is to speak kindly and with compassion, the truth. Mm. I see things rather clearly and I have, I cultivated over the years, the ability to understand that we all have feelings, we all have emotions, but at the same time, we need to grow. So I don't judge when I speak something, you know, when I share something, I don't judge because I've probably been there myself. <laughs> like being called the wrong name calling <laughs> yeah I've done it many times where sometimes maybe I wouldn't even remember people's names <laughs> yeah so, so I think one of my superpowers is just to be authentic but do so with compassion mm, that is a that's a beautiful superpower and who or what is inspiring you at the moment oh my god I I was just, um, the reason I, one of the reasons I came to Australia is because I attended a heart-centered business women, women's conference, and I was completely mind blown by how women are leading in business. And at the same time, they're so human, 
they're so relatable, they have struggles, but at the same time, they're overcoming their challenges. And I was completely mind blown and inspired. I'm still riding this wave of inspiration. <laughs> and what's your favorite quote or mantra? My personal mantra, trust your joy, everything is possible. Mm. I got this mantra. I even have a tattoo from it, like on my, on my forum. And I received it from my spiritual teacher many years ago when I was really misaligned in my personal life. And I was not living the best life I could live. And she told me that my body and my feelings of joy and my personal happiness are so, so important for the universal happiness, for improving this world and for me living my life in alignment with my inner joy. And since then it became my mantra. It's not always easy, but that's the direction. <laughs> exactly. It's not always easy, but that is our ultimate goal, isn't it? To really align with our joy. I love that. Thank you for sharing. So to get us started, I would, I mean, this topic, like I said, it's so important for all women. So it doesn't matter if um, you're in business or not. I think money mindset plays a huge role in our psyche and the way that we show up in the world and how we attract abundance. It just, there's so many layers and levels of what goes into having a really good perception of money mindset and uncovering our blocks. So I can't wait to get into all of um, that with you, but can you share a little bit about your story? Like how did you go from being a university professor to talking about money and how we can have a joyful and creative living by correcting our money mindset or embracing a positive money mindset? So I... <laughs> the journey has never been linear for me. Um, I will share a very brief story of how I got to it. Um, so I, originally I was born and raised in Russia. Uh, and, you know, in the context of the money mindset, it's a society that somewhat rejected money because I grew up in a communistic culture. So money was kind of there, but not there <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> So then when I came to the U.S. and I was, um, you know, I think a lot of my worth was tied to work. And I wasn't necessarily thinking about what is it that I enjoy doing or what I want to do, but I just wanted to be helpful and I needed a job. So it kind of, you, you wouldn't say that accidentally you get a PhD in statistics. To get, it's not like an accidental thing. No, I'm doing my master's right now and I question it every day. <laughs> not an accident. PhD is a whole new level. So, so I, feel, I feel I've been, you know, in my life a little bit like learning to find myself because on the one hand, I love sciences, I love what they have to offer, but I also see so many limitations. It's almost like a very structural way of seeing the world. And so after having been, you know, com having completed my PhD and working in, in academia and being a university professor for eight years, I realized that while I love some aspects of it, but it still limits me, limits my full expression and my 
who I am and how I want to show up for the world. And in the process actually of being a university professor, I, in parallel, I went on a deep, very deep spiritual path. And so I studied metaphysics and how our beliefs create reality, how our conditioning, the way we brought up really impacts everything in our life, not just money, but our health, mental, physical, our relationships, and of course, money and work. And so I, you know, my, I had to do a lot of undigging and un, very honest uh, looking inwards to see what is it that I believe in, where am, how am I sabotaging myself, where am I stuck? And so over the time, you know, I was teaching meditation, I still teach meditation, I still do healing. So even when I work with money, it's a very holistic perspective. I bring the scientific tools, but I also bring the alternative healing tools because I feel that really when we can make use of all of it holistically, um, why not? Why not? Why limit ourselves to only one way if we can benefit from so many ways? Exactly. You are absolutely speaking to my soul right now. <laughs> I too was trained in um, science and allopathic medicine in Western medicine and wow. went on to train in all of the Eastern medicine. So Ayurveda, that's my heart. That's my love and passion. But I'm also doing a master's in traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, and I'm a yoga teacher. So I've got, you know, I've learned the best from both worlds and my whole my whole mission with this podcast is, and my business is to bridge the gap between ancient wisdom and modern med medicine and science and really do that through an individualized, bio-individualized approach, really. So that's looking at the, the mind and the body and the quantum physics, like all of the things. So yes. I love so much what you're saying. It's like, we're on this same path, but you do it with money and I do it with health. So I really love it. And, you know, health and wealth go together. They, they yes. definitely go together. And that's why I was so excited to bring this conversation to, to our listeners. So can you explain the concept of subconscious beliefs around money and how they specifically affect women in everyday life and business? Yes, yeah, so subconscious beliefs, um, the definition, I think that this is a partially scientific definition, but also in the healing world, it's everything that goes into our minds from the age of zero to seven, when we are growing up as children and we're exposed to specific environments in which we live. I would, coming from the metaphysics, I would also take it a little bit broader that it's a cultural conditioning and also generational conditioning uh, that comes from ancestors. And whether there is some genetic predisposition or when a soul decides to reincarnate, we kind of adopt a specific family path. And so we align with that path. And I think in the process of conditioning, especially for women, there are certain stereotypes that we are taught to be in the world. Um, and I'm saying it again, non-judgmentally, but generally speaking, we don't need to share what's on our mind. We need to be a little bit subdued. We need to be kind and repress our personal desires and needs in the context of the larger good, which on the one hand is a beautiful aspiration because it's aligned with the spiritual values and this is how we can use money for the good for environmental causes for some other beautiful things so I think it's it's a beautiful way but to get there 
you know, to even be able to contribute to those causes, we need to start taking care of ourselves first. And I think as women, we're not taught to do that. We're taught to sacrifice ourselves for children, for our partners, for the society, for work, for everything. And I think what I've been doing in my work is actually emphasizing the message that personal joy and personal self-care is so important because it's the foundation of work. And if you are not happy and not aligned and not healthy personally, then uh, no money or no work can really do that for you it, because externally it's not going to be rewarding. And I've been there because, you know, I, I, I was quite fortunate to be university professor early, like at 30, 31. And I've learned that only the financial reward without the inner work, without the inner alignment is empty. It feels empty. Mm. So I think the money needs to be holistic, the, the same way that you approach health holistically and you approach, you know, the self-care on the body holistically. I think the work and the money, they also require this holistic approach. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right. Like working on yourself first will always benefit whatever goal that you are after, whether that's external or internal, obviously internal, you do need to do a lot of work on yourself, but that's with my clients. I have um, the higher self methodology, which is alchemizing your health from like that physical, mental, emotional, spiritual um, place. And then we move into empowering belief shifts because of that mindset, like you were talking about. And then my third pillar is connecting to your purpose and your dharmic impact. Like you're saying about the joy piece of what you do as well. It's so important to take this holistic approach, whether you're looking at it from a health aspect or from a money aspect. And what I'd really like to dive into is that subconscious um, beliefs and how and, and what sort of what are these uh, common examples of these subconscious beliefs that you do see about money and how are these beliefs hindering their financial success? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm going to just give a few examples. One that came up recently with someone I worked is if I am being myself, I will be abandoned. I will be all alone. So this is a common one because to market ourselves and to share about what we do, we need to be ourselves. We need to speak our truth, our convictions and share from the heart. But I often see with women and, I, and sometimes it's called the visibility block um, that women are scared to actually express something from the heart or sometimes they doubt their experiences they doubt what they have learned in life and because we just historically have been taught to not trust ourselves and so i'll be all alone i'll be abandoned it's not safe for me to share from my heart or um i'm not my experience is not worthwhile or I cannot trust my experiences. And so on the one hand, women are very intuitive. We're connected to our bodies because of our period, because of you know, the way our body functions. We're extremely intuitive uh, beings. But on the other hand, I think the shadow side of it is that we doubt this gift that we all have as women and we often don't rely on it. And this is one aspect of the sciences, for example, and this is very common in the modern world is that we often wait until we have a lot of evidence 
before we decide to do something, which puts intuition on the back burner. And I think because it affects both men and women, we're trained that unless there is data to support something, we cannot really trust our presumptions. But also from quantum physics, we know that our beliefs impact the outcome, like our beliefs impact the data. <laughs> so it's kind of a catch 22. So we do need to find as women and as men, I think ultimately as a society, we need to find to recover our personal power to uh, kind of be sovereign, sovereign decision makers. And I think it comes uh, by doing meditation, by doing inner work, by taking time away from work, actually, by going for a walk by the ocean or in nature. And then from, from this personal conviction and personal experiences, then we can align with joy. We can align with what we have experienced in life and trust it and then share it with the world. But I think, you know, in the context of money, for women, the visibility block, I cannot trust myself. And another big one is I'm not good enough. That's very, very common. Um, I, we are just undoing that belief culturally, I think, um, just as a collective, we're undoing it because of the historical factors. Um, you know, most people, they never had power historically. And so there was always power belonged to just a few at the top and, and the majority didn't have the power. They were good, not good enough. And I think we are undoing that. We are undoing this top-down authoritarian type of governance and authority and decision-making. And so now, um, but, but in the process of this undoing, we have to work through this limiting beliefs and limiting subconscious beliefs that have existed there genera generationally. And I think women are in many ways are leading this movement now. It's not easy <laughs> because every step feels like, oh, I'm taking a step forward and then I'm questioning what I'm doing. It's not easy, but we still have to take those steps. <laughs> Absolutely. And I resonate so much with, with the, the generational subconscious belief patterns. So for myself and my uh, money mindset story, I felt a great sense of guilt when we started acquiring um, material possessions and making, you know, good money through our, through the way that we serve. And I think that was, that was sort of like, there was a few reasons for that. And one was sort of that generational aspect. I grew up with very little. I mean, I, I lived in a house at one stage that had, it was just, it had external walls. Obviously it's how it was made a house, but we had no internal walls. We had to use cupboards to create bedrooms with, and we had, uh, we didn't even have a toilet, a proper toilet. We had camping toilet. We had a water outside that we'd have to hose under. Like we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And whilst my parents are both like humanitarian, I guess when I started having the desire to have nice things and to earn money, there was a real guilt associated with that because I knew that not everyone had money. And so I felt guilty for when I started having, I'm like, oh, it's, it's really awkward because I feel really bad now that I'm, you know, living my dream and making money doing what I love and have the money to travel and all of these type of things but not everyone has that so there was a big guilt that I had to get over with that and the other thing for me was an identity shift because 
I have these, these two parts of me where one of them is that I do, I really love, you know, beautiful things and traveling and staying in nice resorts. And then I have this real earthy grounding spiritual aspect and merging the two almost was like, well, well, who am I? Like, how can you be both of those? How can you desire financial um, wealth? And how can you also be grounded and spiritual? And am I being a fake? Am I being a phony if I am, you know, either just either one of those? So I had to do a lot of work of uncovering, no, it's okay to be uniquely you and who you are and have the desires. And even one of the four goals of life, according to Ayurveda, is Atha, which is, which is setting yourself up with um, abundance, financial abundance, material possessions to make your life comfortable and happy. Like we don't have to suffer in poverty to be spiritual. But for me, that was something I really had to work on to be okay with a overcoming the guilt and knowing that I am a, a, a good person and I'm a person that serves our community and I'm still a humanitarian, even if I am making money that some people aren't making and I am able to you know to give freely to charities and to do those things with the money it doesn't make you know the guilt doesn't do anything for me in in a purposeful way so I think yeah really uncovering what your own blocks are with money is really important and what your subconscious beliefs are because I think it really stemmed down from like you know, I, I'm not, like you said, like I'm not worthy of this. That's where that guilt came from. So do you have any practical ways to identify and address those beliefs? Is, do you have practical ways that you help women understand their own subconscious belief patterning? Yes. I resonate with everything you've just shared <laughs> very, very strongly. Um, so I think for women, it's it's important, we are very connected to our body. So what I have learned from my experience of working with, with women, it's not enough to just address the mind, like putting a paper, you know, just putting a paper with an affirmation. For some people it works and maybe it usually works for men because they can focus their mind just on a phrase. For women, because we are embodied, so much embodied, I always recommend doing any kind of either affirmations or restructuring limiting beliefs in combination with physical body practices and spiritual practices. It's almost like addressing body, uh, mind, body, spirit. So the whole aspects of ourselves. For um, I'll give you a few examples. Sometimes doing yoga or running or going for a walk while maybe listening to some affirmations or uh, or saying them to yourself is actually much better than just kind of reading them because when your body moves, it kind of goes into your body and you become an embodiment of what is it that you actually desire. Another thing is that sometimes things are very tricky. So when I work with people, I use a combination of hypnosis and deep meditation to access very deep um, rooted beliefs, and sometimes they actually have nothing to do with money. If it, they show up as money, they show up as a business impediment, or they show up as a kind of guilt or shame, as you're sharing, but they actually have to do with the way a person was brought up and they were raised. You know, it comes from the family and culture and conditioning and ancestors. 
And so I think this deep understanding also helps people or helps women to kind of not take it personally that it's we have been shamed for so long. We have been really like, oh, you're not good enough. Shut, shut up, shut down. So there was a lot of like the shutting down energy. And so I think when the very deep insightful understanding happens on the level of um, the heart, because a lot of my sessions, they are almost like a guided journey. And so when you understand it, then it almost like pops out and it doesn't have so much control and power over you. But I think, I think it's an ongoing process. I don't think it goes away because we keep expanding. We keep um, maybe impacting and sharing our reach wider. And so those things keep coming up as you are expanding. And, you know, something that you worked through, you know, a year ago, two ago might come up again <laughs> as you're ready to leap, leap again. But I think, a, and this is something that I'm personally contemplating, you know, something that I'm thinking about now is how is it that as money and wealth is now transitioning more towards women, how we can also be honorable custodians of money. So not wasteful, because I think a lot of the beliefs around money, they are rightfully negative because of the historical examples of how money were used or misused. So I think because women contemplate and it's like, wow, it's amazing that you go through this contemplation sessions with yourself or it's amazing because some people have never done those things. They have never felt shame or guilt. It means you're an amazing human that you go through those experiences and question those things. And I think this is a normal part of the process because we start making decisions about money more intentionally. We direct money more intentionally. Like, you know, you're not going to spend money on alcohol and drugs, but instead you're going to direct them towards maybe personal care or care of your children or betterments of schools or betterments of culture and neighborhoods. So it becomes a more intentional directional use of money. And I think it comes from this beautiful inner contemplation, knowing that like money is not good or bad. It's what we make, what, what we make of them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And money, it really is just an energetic exchange that the world's come up with that we can use to swap for services. Yeah. Or- or things basically I mean before money it was food (laughs) (laughs) we're depending on where you were gold you know there's always been an exchange or an exchange of service you know even from like the Ayurvedic sages uh, going back to that having the guilt association with being what am I spiritual or can I be financially abundant and spiritual I mean, the the ancient sages, they were some of the most wealthy people ever. They didn't have, money wasn't really a currency, but they were always supported with having um, homes to live in by the community, abundance of food by the community, abundance of services, because they were swapping their wisdom for all of these things. It's just that energetic exchange. And I think when we start to, to realize that it's just an energetic exchange and the energy you put behind that exchange is what can make money really powerful and actually really beautiful. And if we're pouring, like you said, consciously pouring our money into other family businesses, you know, going to market stores, buying the fruit and veggies from your local, your local farmer, 
that is such a beautiful energetic exchange. Or if you're energetically exchanging your money for a service for yourself, that's going to create joy for you. And I've used this example many times, like when I'm feeling in a bit of a rut, I want joy. I love water slides. So if I'm going to go and pay a ticket to get into wet and wild, to go down some water slides with my kids, that is a beautiful exchange to me because I am living in joy, which means I am stepping into my higher self in that moment. And I'm happy to pay for that, you know, and I can, and because I have the money, I can. So it shouldn't be seen, I think, as such an evil thing where there's a history of, um, of common beliefs around money that have, that us as women, I feel have really attached ourselves to. And I did too. I've had to do a lot of work to overcome these beliefs, but one of them is money. Money is the root of all evil, you know, money creates you know, greedy, bad people. The other one is money doesn't grow on trees. Like I was always told that. So it was like, it wasn't available, you know, readily available to you. Basically you had to work your ass off to get it. And when you had it, you had to be, you know, really, really careful. It could be just ripped away from you. You could lose everything. So there's, there's those sort of, um, belief patterns around money as, as well, that I think we really need to, to get past. So how do we shift that paradigm? Like how do we shift from seeing money as this bad energy or this root of all evil, or it doesn't grow of, of, on trees. So, or you don't have the right to be financially abundant because it'll make you look like a snob. Like how do we shift the paradigm for those women who are still stuck there, for those women who are feeling icky about being honest with wanting to be abundant and earning money. And I think the other huge one is money doesn't buy you happiness. And no, it doesn't always buy you happiness. Like you can see some of the most richest people in the world as unhappy as hell, but to a level money buys you opportunities and money can buy you things that can not things, but experiences that can help lift your joy. Like I said, going to a, a water side theme park I mean that brings me joy I had to pay money as an exchange to get in there so how can we break these these money mindset issues and move into this new paradigm and be conscious money givers as women you know just from this conversation that we had I'm seeing that you are making that change <laughs> like you you as a business owner you are making that change because it's not always easy and I think that's important to emphasize that it's not easy we want it to be easy we want it to happen today or tomorrow or we want it to be completely gone and kind of out of our plate and not be a, an issue anymore but I think it's a step-by-step -step process of women like you and women who are in your community, women like me and, and client, my clients, women in my community who are making those shifts. Because what I have observed for myself is that the best way that I am feeling more comfortable with money is when I interact with people like you or with people at the conference or when I interact with people who have their heart in the, in the right place who ask questions, who don't pretend that they know everything. And they're making those little steps every single day. Because I think what's happening little by little, we are creating this change. It's uncomfortable because we are all moving in this direction. And like any type of change is uncomfortable. And I do agree that money do not buy happiness, but they also buy opportunities 
And I would not be able to vacation right now in Australia if I did not have the money. So I'm grateful every single day for the money that I do have or our family has. And I think, but, but I think an important foundation for me personally is my spiritual practice. And this is where the spiritual practice comes handy in business, in money, in exchanges, in anything really, because I always can come back to who I truly am. Like I'm not lost in the money world. It's not, you know, I know my worth is not linked to money. I know my self-value is not linked to money. Whether I was, you know, there were times when I really did not have much. I'm growing in my childhood, but also in my adult life, there were many times I was like really struggling for money and I was worthy. I was worthy equally at all of those points. So I think we are also undoing this. I think the old paradigm, and this is what we are undoing a little bit, is this idea that social status or how much money you have in your bank account is linked to your worth or is linked to your power. But power really comes, I mean, yes, there is influence that is connected to money, but power really comes from source, from inside of you. And I think when we keep that perspective and keep that balance that, yes, there are different kinds of people and there are different karmic, you know, from the metaphysical perspective that I come from, there are also karmic forces that play out. And we have all of us, you know, in one lifetime or another, we have been super rich and super poor. So we have experienced the extremes of all of this relationship with money. And how can we find this middle ground where, you know, there is, and I keep receiving these messages from spirit that there is more than enough to go around for everyone. I think this is where I was personally stuck for many years is how can I have money when there are so many people in the world who are struggling? But I realized that keeping myself poor is not going to help those people. (laughs) The only way I can make a difference is actually by having a little bit of money (laughs) or a lot of money. And also I have realized that often I cannot help someone unless they're ready to be helped. So mm-hmm. we need to meet each other. We need to meet each other, the cross section, the person wants to, needs to want to be helped and, and I have, need to have the desire to help them. So it's a both intersection. Um, so it's, I think we are making this progressive change. I don't think it's on, only going to stop at this generation. I think it's going to move along a few generations more of, like my children, your children, and um, a little by lifting, little by lifting, shifting the priorities, shifting how, um, what our value systems are as a society, how we interact with each other. And I think relationship and exchange, as you said, is going to be emphasized as an important foundation mm. of business or anything really. <laughs> Beautiful. And yeah, I'm, I'm just loving this because I swear everything you're saying, I could just replace the word money with like holistic health and we're saying the exact same thing, which is amazing. And it's making so much sense to me because I'm able to link it back to the pillars of my higher self methodology. And it's so great. So we really talked about that holistic aspect, which would be like that pillar one and pillar two, empowering belief shifts, which means rewinding those subconscious beliefs. But the third pillar that I always, you know, love to expose with women is connecting to their purpose and having that dharmic impact. So we've we've touched on dharmic impact with conscious spending and having money and how we can handle that consciously as women. 
but I'd love to now talk about how women can strike a balance between pursuing their passions and their purpose while also ensuring financial stability and abundance. So from your money perspective, like how can we help women pursue their passions and really step into their purpose and what they want to do, but also ensure that they do have that financial stability behind them whilst also calling in that abundance. Like how can we marry the, as you say, the science and the metaphysics of money together in, in this way? So I think um, what I'm seeing from my personal journey over the years, I think when I just started on this spiritual path, I was very naive. You know, I was, I, I mean, I love spirituality. I use it every day. And I love when the universe brings a lot of magical coincidences in my life. But I think I have also learned to be very practical and proactive. And I think for women, um, especially, this is something that we are learning in general, how to be strategic, how to be very disciplined, how to work with our emotions because we are emotional creatures and, and depending on our cycle, depending on how we feel, um, we basically we need to be a little bit more stable and learn how to work with our physiology and emotional body to actually be able to be kind of somewhat stable and present for our clients and in business, because business is like having a child. I mean, not quite the same, but it's, I've, I have personally found that it's a very, very challenging process. It's extremely, it just takes so much mental, spiritual, physical resources, financial resources. It's a lot. It's like having a baby, but maybe it's not screaming at night. <laughs> And so, on your clients. yeah, <laughs> screams at night. No, I'm the last girl. My clients are absolutely <laughs> students. I'm not talking about you guys. <laughs> other businesses. <laughs> so I think part of the purpose is actually personal growth. It really requires us to grow up. I mean, I feel like having my business required me to grow up from being a girl to becoming more of a woman. And, you know, taking responsibility for a lot of things that I do or don't do and for just being a little bit more in control and more stable inside because I cannot be all over the place if I am going to hold space for other people or, or I need to create uh, for, your, for myself specific days where I can be all over the place. And so I feel in many ways it has helped me heal. Um, it was an external motivational force for me to heal some of the patterns that I think were not um, helpful. And this is the part of uh, the work that I do, which I call the shadow work. And I, it's, it's quite common. The same as men have a shadow, women also have a shadow. Like one of the shadows for women used to be in the past is being... Um, I mean, like being bitchy or very competitive or speak bad about someone else and gossiping. I cannot afford myself doing that, those things now. I had to integrate those shadows because I cannot lead in a business if I do those things. Or um, another part, another example of um, women, of women's shadow is again, the emotional aspect. Um, I had to learn how to work with my emotions and I'm a very highly sensitive person persons because I also channel and I 
do healing work. So I feel a lot, but I had to learn how to manage my emotions and how to self-regulate. And this is another, again, I don't think business is possible if those aspects are not integrated because I don't think it's just a gender disparity between all oh, like men are, men are bad, women are good. We all have our strengths and weaknesses. Women have their shadows, men have their shadows. And when we do start taking responsibility, I think that we inspire each other to really be ourselves and be our highest self. And as you know, isn't incarnate in a human form here on earth. And, and I think in that way, as our legacy, we're also learning that part of our business is service that we cannot just earn all the money and just be completely selfish with them. I don't think it's so much in women's nature in general to be completely selfish. It's like by design, we are nurturers, but you know, there are different kinds of women as well. And there are many examples of corporate leadership that is not the best example of what a female leader is. And so I think it's teaching us and through small businesses, through holistic businesses, it's teaching us how to lead by example. And it's not easy. <laughs> like, I don't want to pretend that it's easy. <laughs> and I always tell my students in the Ayurveda Alchemist program, like, running a business and starting your own business will definitely show up all of your insecurity is yep. like the most epic personal development journey you'll ever go on because you have yep. all of your fears and one of those is definitely your fear around money and your money mindset and subconscious beliefs will just pop up that you didn't even really know that you were acting on or that you really had it just yeah it wow, it has been a wild ride, but one I am so grateful for because I, I honestly believe being a business owner has taught me so, so much more than any degree could have taught me. And I've done quite a few degrees. So yeah, I, yeah, it definitely shows up all of your insecurities for sure. So I would love for you to share an inspiring success story or an example of um, a woman who has transcended their fear about money and achieved financial abundance? And what lessons can we learn from their experience? Do you have any sort of real life examples you can share with clients? Yes. With yes. So uh, one example is um, of a, she's a very, very, very inspiring lady. Uh, she came to me, I worked with her for four years or almost five years. And she came to me working for someone else. She had a corporate job. And then over the years, um, she came to me completely with an unrelated problem. It was not related to money. But over the years, she decided to transition. The more she started trusting herself, the more she started loving herself, the more she started understanding what her values are and what her purpose is in this life. She, reala she realized that she's not aligned with the job that she had, the corporate job, because she was not really using her life experiences and her, uh, and really her gifts in this world. So she transitioned, she transitioned now, she's running, um, it's a partially nonprofit um, and profit organization around nature conservation. And 
empowering people to learn about nature. Uh, she's educating people about plants and natural beauty of uh, flora. And it's really beautiful. It's the work that she's doing now. And I think like uh, both of us and other women, you know, it's not a linear journey, but I think she is also learning how to take responsibility, how to be consistent, how to keep showing up and showing up and showing up. And when you keep showing up, things start shifting. <laughs> so I am, yes, and uh, she's an inspiration to me because I think she really shows how being in a really challenging like in the really, when she came to me, she was in a very, very challenging uh, life situation. But then we really can transcend a lot of the challenges in our lives. And some of the weaknesses that we have, they become our strengths. Mm, beautiful. Love that story. Thank you so much. This has been, yeah, such an amazing conversation. It's just flowed beautifully. And I've learned a lot from you. And you're very, very inspiring. I love what you're doing. Thank Where you. can our listeners find your books? Um, so I have them on Amazon, but they're also listed on my website. If they go to my website, it's www.mariashriko.love, M-A-R-I-Y-A-S-H-I-Y-K-O.love, L-O-V-E. So I have all my books listed there. Um, they're sold through Amazon. They're also delivered to Australia. And so it's, they're available internationally. <laughs> Beautiful. And I'll put your website link in the show notes as well. Thank you. Um, is there any parting words that you would love to leave us about transcending fear about money? I think the most important thing is just keep going forward. I think that it's very normal to encounter setbacks, to encounter days when we don't feel like we want to do it. But I think the important thing is, and sometimes counterintuitive, to focus on money. <laughs> Even though we've been taught to not focus on money, but in the process of focusing on money, we have to come from the place of self-love, self-respect and self-trust. So I, I think my encouragement is to just keep moving forward and surround yourself with people who are inspiring, surround yourself with people who are willing to maybe work through things so you're not the only one and you're not the white or black swan in the, in the pond. <laughs> and it's a little bit easier when you have community that way. 100%. And I think the time that we're in at the moment sort of like post-pandemic recession <laughs> is going to be a really interesting testing time for us to really work on our money mindset and be still like you, you know there's still money in the world there is it didn't just all disappear it feels like it I understand that and I'm not taken away from everyone who is going through financially really hard times because that is real it, it is really happening people are are struggling like we are paying a lot more for things these days um some people's incomes haven't gone up and you know there's there's been a shift in my world as well like with finances like it, it really is happening but there's still you still don't lose hope you still don't lose the power that you have within yourself to acquire that abundance and feel abundant and 
and keep keep going, keep moving forward, keep striving, keep knowing what you want. Like you said, like you've just got to keep keep at it, right? You've got to be consistent. Yes. Yes, I think it's, and I think in the process, it also teaches you to not attach happiness to money. Sometimes even, you know, there are always ebbs and flows, ups and downs, and, and it really keeps you in check to maintain your personal level of happiness and, and keep going, as you said. <laughs> totally. have, yeah, have that whole non-attachment theory, yep. right? being able yep. to find your happiness in the moments, like even this morning, waking up with the sunrise and walking along the beach and I was just mesmerized by the beautiful sunrise and I took like a insta story and I was like like these are the moments we live for this was totally free like you know it wasn't the water slides <laughs> but it was something even even better you know time with your family and yeah witnessing this beautiful nature and finding that there is when we're not feeling so attached to to money that we can find happiness in any moment regardless of whether it was free or not but also know that you do have the power and you are worthy to create an abundant life and if that's what you're after that is okay as well yes amazing well thank you so much I've really enjoyed this conversation I really appreciate you talking to us whilst you're on holidays too <laughs> That's great. This was so fun. Thank you. It's been really a delight. You are amazing. So thank you for having me on your on your Zoom meeting, on your uh, Facebook Live. It's been such a pleasure. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Enjoy the rest of your holidays and welcome to Australia. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and staying right to the end. Let's take our relationship a little further and connect in the world of socials. Follow me personally on Instagram at harmony.inspired.ayurveda. My women's health clinic on Instagram is harmony underscore inspired underscore health or join our Facebook community, the Ayurvedic Soul Sister Tribe. Reach out on any of those channels and let me know if you enjoyed the episode, what type of episode you would like to hear more of in the future, or simply just swing by and say hi. And don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And if you listen on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating so the wisdom shared in these episodes can be spread far and near. Thank you so much, my friends, from my soul to yours.